Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. Now, in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I am both a master of the laws of taxation, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property. Now, because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I do so because it intersects with just about every other area of law and with parties of interest in interest on just about every rung or link in the economic food chain. And because it has as its ultimate goal to help the honest but unfortunate individual and his family or her family dig themselves out of the financial hole that has or would otherwise totally disrupt or devastate their and their family's lives. Now, I also practice some related fields in my overall consumer and small business financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years before before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous people. And because I grew up as a military brat, and I guess I always will be one, and on top of that, I helped create another military brat with my former spouse who was also in the military. As such, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system. This is especially the case after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of the military. 
And as I love to tell you, I had the great fortune to not only know, but spend a lot of time and actually became great friends with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived what I describe as the four great economic challenges of the last century. That is to say, they lived through the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through into our society today. And as these women helped raise me and always loved me and shared with me some really great stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South, it is out of my great love and respect for these women who are always with me, along with my military dad in spirit, urging me on to do the right thing. When the situation is right, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of adult and elder financial abuse, including neglect, that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not, the lack thereof, or at least you don't have a, a sufficient amount thereof for to cover your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your family's or your small business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least an overall outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances or your assets or your debt. So today we will continue the discussion uh, placing front and center retirement issues that we started on April 29th. However, I wanted to share with you uh, the reason why I've was out of the office, as it were, the last couple of weeks. I needed to take a couple of weeks off to deal with some pressing matters. So on May 5th and 12th, we rebroadcast two of my shows on the debt ceiling. I believe that these rebroadcasts were timely because unless you and your whole community and all your relatives are living under the debris caused by a rock slide, you know that the United States Treasury Department, via its cabinet secretary, Janet Yellen, has informed Congress and the rest of us that on or about June 1, 2023, the United States checking account will have a zero balance, notwithstanding our current and ever-growing debt that is above 31 trillion with a T. In plain English, that means that on or about June 1, 2023, even though it will be a violation of the 14th Amendment, for the first time in our nation's history, we will default on our legal obligations to pay our debt service to the Treasury bond and Treasury bill and Treasury note holders we sold to on the open market to these investors nationally and internationally 
including some of us mere mortals here in the United States who bought savings bonds and put them in our 401ks or hit them in our safe deposit box. We, that is to say the U.S. Treasury, sold these Treasury bonds and Treasury bills and Treasury notes on the open market in order to make up the delta between the revenues we generate from us as taxpayers and our monthly payment obligations with in addition to redeeming these treasury bonds and bills and notes with the contracted interest rates that are come due with each of that each of those redemptions we also have payments for social security and medicare benefits to our ever growing senior population that depends on these monthly payments to survive so as of the date of this recording, which is May 18th, 2023, there has been no resolution to the threat of default that has, I believe, was uh, precipitated by the majority party in the House of Representatives and their refusal to lift the debt ceiling unless the White House agreed to some concessions that call for substantial clawbacks from previous spending authorizations that both parties approved And now we've already expended the money and it's not there anymore. It has been widely reported that the parties to the dispute, the majority party in Congress and the White House are attempting to resolve their impasse. The majority party has taken to the no raise a debt solution stance, even though this maneuver impedes the Treasury's ability to ask its bank, that is to say the international debt marketplace, to up its line of credit so it can timely pay our bills. While the dispute between the, the majority party in Congress and the White House continues, the minority party in Congress has commenced a process known as the discharge petition that can, if successful, bypass the need to have Speaker McCarthy move the bill any bill to raise the debt ceiling. If they, the minority party led by minority leader Jeffries, can get all of the 213 members and in of of the Democratic Party, his party, and the independents that caucus with them, and at least five Republicans to vote with them to obtain the requisite number of votes, 218 needed to move the discharge petition. Another option is to have the president issue what would be, in effect, an executive order pursuant to his duties under the 14th Amendment and instruct Congress to go out onto the open market and obtain the additional credit we require without congressional authority and let Congress sue him about it. However, I do believe it will be untoward during the run up to the 2024 presidential campaign to have the majority party members of Congress suing the president for fulfilling his obligations under the 14th Amendment and to make sure that we can pay our bills uh, that both parties caused to be incurred based on their approval of previous budgets. But then again, we'll just have to see, unfortunately. Anyway, for a primer on the topic, including my discussions of the applicable clauses of the 14th Amendment that are germane to this topic, and my discussion of what a discharge petition is, I refer you to my series of podcasts entitled, What is the Debt Ceiling and Why Should We Care?, which aired on January 21st, January 28th, February 4th, and February 11th of this year. 
So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of another troubling issue that we must face. That is to say, will we, you and me, mere mortals, have enough money to fund our retirement? Well, I got to give you a sneak peek because I've already said this the last time we were together. I'm sorry to say, but for about half of us, an ever-increasing half of us, the answer will be no, unless we get Congress to change public policy. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on just how did we, the vanguard of the 401k retirement fund generation, end up in a retirement fund income minefield watching our savings along with our economic futures blow up all around us. Well, you know, maybe it had something to do with what has turned out to be some very poor policy-making decisions in the last century that ended up absolving most of our employers of their investment risk associated with funding and maintaining the pension funds that we need while dumping these very same risks on us, many of whom, I'd say most of whom are financially and economically unsophisticated employees. As such, we must rethink and reevaluate how we will survive this century. But before we recommence our deep dive into the topic of retirement funding, I have one more point to make about the pending debt ceiling crisis that I talked about before the break and its impact on some, if not most, seniors. I want to take this opportunity to respond to some questions I received in the last few weeks from some of you out there in radio land or podcast land who are concerned about your ability to make your Chapter 13 plan payments if a substantial portion of or all of your income comes from Social Security and you don't receive your June or subsequent month payments due to this congressionally caused BS. As I have informed some of my own clients, there are provisions in the bankruptcy code that may allow you to either suspend for a short time or reduce your payments due to a well-articulated hardship, or you may be able to substantiate the required just cause to obtain a hardship discharge and close your case early. Now, because like everything else in the law is based on your specific set of facts and circumstances, if you happen to be a senior in bankruptcy that's using your Social Security to help you make your Chapter 13 plan payments, I urge you, to please reach out to your own bankruptcy counsel and discuss your best options with him or her concerning you and your family. However, in the meantime, 
like right now today, I urge you to reach out to your congressperson, especially if they are a member of the majority party in Congress that started this mess and let them know how pissed off you are that they, policymakers whose salaries and benefits, including their access to four very liberal retirement arrangements that you and me and us pay for and who are supposed to be working for us and are putting all of our financial futures at risk and that you do not appreciate what they're doing and that you will remember this when you go to the polls the first Tuesday in November 2024 and vote their asses out of office. Okay off my chest, refocusing on our collective need to have the funds to be able to retire with dignity. Let's get back to that. So the, the goal here is to make sure that you understand and that we understand that we must have the ability to live with dignity in our old age. According to the research conducted by Yaming Yin, An Kai Chen, and Alicia Munnell in their paper, The National Retirement Index, version 2.0, that was dated May 9, 2023, and published on the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College on its website, which is located at crr.bc.ed briefs a dash financing dash retirement forward slash the national retirement risk index version two dash o about half of today's households will not have enough retirement income to maintain their pre-retirement standard of living even if they work to age 65 and annualize all their financial assets including the receipts from reverse mortgages and the like on their homes. The robustness of the results confirms the retirement saving issues faced by today's working age households and that we need to fix our retirement system so that employer plan coverage is universal. So let me focus in on that. I'm still quoting from them, but I'm emphasizing it. We need to have a retirement system rearranged such that employer plan coverage is universal. Only with continuous coverage will workers be able to accumulate adequate resources to maintain their standard of living in retirement. So this is from a scholarly paper that I read and found quite interesting. The National Retirement Index, or the NRRI, measures the share of working age households that are at risk of being unable to maintain their pre-retirement standard of living in retirement. The exercise involves comparing households projected replacement rate, that is to say retirement income as a percentage of their pre-retirement income with the target rates that would allow them to maintain their standard of living. The key finding is that roughly half of the nation's working-aged households are at risk of falling short, even if they work to age 65 and, again, annualize all of their assets. That is to say, convert their the equity in their home, the, uh, the equity that they might have in stocks and bonds, and annualize that 
over the course of their remaining years on the planet, they're not going to have enough uh, income to live a decent life. This result is stable over time with some ups and downs reflecting economic and market fluctuations, again, according to the research paper. Furthermore, in a related paper by Chen Mono and Weilin Hu entitled, Why Do Late Bloomers Have So Little Retirement Wealth? And it was published on March uh, uh, of 2020 by the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, the Arthur State, and I quote, Over the last 40 years, the retirement system has shifted from defined benefit plans to defined contribution plans, particularly or primarily 401ks and individual retirement accounts, IRAs. This shift has been accompanied by a decline in Social Security benefits relative to the pre-retirement earnings as the program's full retirement age has moved from 65 to 67. Thus, the expected pattern when examining retirement wealth across cohorts is relatively less wealth from defined benefit plans and social securities and much more from 401ks and IRAs. However, the members of the most recent cohort in the health and retirement study, the late boomers, show not only the predicted decline in defined benefit plans and social securities, but also an unexpected drop in the 401k slash IRA assets. This drop is alarming given that late bloomers who are in their ages of 51 through 56, that was in the year 2016, would have spent the majority of their careers in defined contribution plans. And the the paper goes on to say that this particular brief explains why these younger cohorts of 401k IRA assets than the older cohorts at the same age and what it means to the future of our retirement system. So let let me again, I talked about this at length at in the earlier show. A defined benefit plan is where the company takes the responsibility to pay an amount based on profits or what the company deemed the appropriate amount to entice people to come and work for them during their uh, productive years as a way to pay them when they were in their retirement years. And so that switched over in the 80s where it became more prevalent to have defined contribution plans where the company's no longer taking responsibility for the retirement income of the retirees. They make take a uh, responsibility to make a contribution, say match what it is that the re- the employee makes and put the re- employee who has little sophistication about markets and investment, put them in charge. That's why many have lost that 401k IRA asset because the markets went south temporarily and, and in some instance wiped out the majority of the savings in these particular plans. 
um, it's a, the very fact that defined contribution plans are becoming more prevalent and do not provide any guarantee of a particular benefit that we all face the probability that we will not have enough money to fund our retirement. So that's why I say we need to press our congressional members to focus on issues such as this and stay out of the culture war BS game. So we're going to leave it there for now, but always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including obtaining the knowledge we need to fully fund our own retirements with the help of our Congress. So in the meantime, please take care out there. And I look forward to getting together with you next time to discuss another important topic that's important to us economically. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.